Attack on Titan is moving day, episode five. Moving day. A lot of shit happened. Big battle. We doing an intro first? We're talking about it. Let's just go. Let's just run with it. All right. Be well, a fun edit. <laughs> I'll do it. It's episode, fun. Episodes five and six. First battle, the struggle for trust, parts one and two. Um, these episodes are famous for being rather brutal and for at times putting people off the show. What did you guys think of uh, what, what what happened at episode five? It put people off the show. I mean, I felt like the first couple episodes made it clear that this was like there were going to be battles with the Titans, like yeah, but like and violence. So with a, most of these narratives, you, you don't lose nothing. Happened like. There, there are setbacks for the main characters or main character, but like, I would say that losing Aaron, which is presumably, it, w- which like, you know. Choose what? your words wisely. We haven't lost anyone. He's dead. No, he's not. Uh, I'm pretty sure he got eaten. Uh, he's not dead. I, Truth. Is it a Boba Fett situation? Is he living in the stomach of the Titan? I, I don't. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I haven't watched ahead, but I'm, what I'm telling you is that, that that there's no evidence that Aaron is gone. Um, he, he he did lose an arm. He did lose a leg, and he got swallowed by a titan. There is some evidence that he is gone. No, that he's he's lost an arm and a leg. That's fine. So is Aaron going to come marching home again? I don't. I, BJ, you can joke all you want. I'm going <laughs> to tell you right here that uh, I'm I'm a truther. I believe that Aaron is alive and he's coming back. Are you doing I, the thing that Spencer does on pottering around? Where you're like, I don't know the story. I just I just imagine that Harry Potter will. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just guessing. I think he'll probably uh, make the glass in front of the snake thing disappear. Like, he absolutely guess everything perfectly and pretend like he doesn't know the story ahead of time. Uh, that is the most offensive thing that you have ever said to me because Spencer absolutely reads ahead in, in Harry Potter. And, plays dumb, and it's no, ridiculous. I'm, totally I'm, 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 I'm so angry right now. I'm so triggered that you would accuse me of that. <laughs> Because that is the most offensive thing that Spencer has ever done is that he, he plays nice. He plays like a little puppy dog. He's so nice and so nice. And oh, I just am guessing stuff. And he yeah, absolutely reads ahead. I guess so. Maybe maybe we'll meet a character named Dobby who's a house elf. I'm just guessing. <laughs> you guys are such asshole. Let, let's go through the episode then. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get to Levi's denial here in a minute. Um, but the, I mean, the, the episode opens exactly where episode four stopped of where the colossal titan has returned. And Aaron is deciding to make his own personal attack upon him. Um, so uh, actually, surprisingly, we get a little bit of uh, defense of the city with the cannons and and such. Like they are, they're a lot more effective than I feel like we were led to believe. So sure. they are at least knocking back Titans. Um, and I, I have uh, serious questions about how there's a big difference between blowing the head off of a Titan and cutting the a very specific nape. portion of it at the nape of its neck. Uh, like what the difference there is, like if a cannonball goes through a little bit lower than like the top of their head, do they just not come back? Um, yeah. we'll, we'll get through internal consistencies later. That's, uh, that's they explained it. So I, I, explain it. I, I figured you would like the classroom scene, PJ, of where they actually tried to put a bit of logic and science for why they're doing what they're doing and what works and doesn't work for on the Titans. But we'll, get, we'll get there in a second. Uh, Aaron goes up for the Colossal Titan. He fights his way up to the top through its somewhat lumbering movements as it kind of sweeps the cannons off the top of the wall. Yep. And he goes in for the kill. And then there's a giant gust of steam. He goes for the slash. And then there is no Colossal Titan no more. Yep. What did y'all make of that? Of where it emerged in a bolt of lightning and it disappeared in a puff of smoke? The metaphor. 
the Titans magic. aren't real. This is about life's battle against ourselves and our own that minds. It's Buddhistic. That works. That works. It's got to be a metaphor. This is ridiculous. I mean, because because how, how do they survive? How, how are there multiple seasons of this if they can just like, you know, phase in phase out destroy everything can't kill them um this is ridiculous how, how are people alive so you're literally you're literally fighting a larger version of man boom there you go but they're you're done just, you're just fighting the larger perception of what you think your life is and they also have teeth Slow back down, to their ears down. is it about like growing up like is this a, is a metaphor for maturing like, are these adults like what's going on here they're 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 sheeple that they, they they have desires that they don't understand that don't actually sustain them, and you know they're they're keeping up with the the Joneses of uh, of Titans, just enjoying eating people. That was my guess. That I hope it is. What I really think it is is they've just introduced some sort of new rule uh, of what the Titans can do. There's some sort of like I don't know, magical disappear button or something. The BJ is going to be like, I can't believe there's a magical disappear button. Everybody, well, that's what it is. Magical disappear button. I think they just. I think anime. I think it's just like they're just going to keep introducing new rules to these things just to kind of switch it up. I don't, I honestly don't think it's quite as heavy as we're going for. Um, I I do think that the, the steam uh, escape that we had is going to be like a thing, uh, especially because they talk about like the the higher internal body temperature in the next episode. So like, I, I think that there is going to be something that, that will, will be explained as internal consistency um but i mean i i think that's sort of the benefit of, of having this based off of uh uh a manga where like it is there is going to be that expectation a, book, and, yeah how yeah. do you pronounce that word manga no. <laughs> okay terry we were so uh, the same person in some some respects i also heard that was like god you you asshole <laughs> what the fuck that's well, not how, well, okay well, one thing aaron noted during his attack which is clearly surprised him in the moment was his realization that the colossal titan was intelligent that it consciously went after the guns on the top yeah. of the wall and cleared those out so that there's less of a means of, of stopping new titans from coming in and focused on him individually and was trying to go after him rather than just being a lumbering beast so that idea of it being sentient surprised and shocked him it's not something clearly that their society has pondered that this could occur and also i think there were multiple things I think that was meant to instill fear in you with the Titans, right? Because like also in the classroom scene, which BJ loved, they uh, they also talked about um, how they they don't eat that they don't eat people for sustenance. It's just to fuck around, like which is kind of scary. Yeah, they, they don't have organs. They don't reproduce. They don't function as any other living organism should. They purpose seems to be to eat humans. And that's well, in quotes, all they really understand. Hmm? Well, in quotes, organs. But yeah, in quotes, organs. It was what uh, was what was said in the episode. It was also uh, very funny uh, that they had this like super picturesque scene with like the the deer just like hanging out and grazing, uh, oh, and they're the, like the, totally like, cool about the titans kind of like wandering by, and it's just like okay, well that's how that works. They don't attack anything other than humans, best they can tell, and they also, as we've got pretty clearly established here, they regenerate, meaning that even if you blow their heads off with a cannon, they keep coming back unless you cut a very narrow area of their nape. Hence why their technology is built around that purpose. So they only attack uh, humans. Could you develop and train an army of great apes to attack them that would have similar physical capabilities, maybe even greater in some respects than humans, but they would not be attacked by the Titans? I don't think King Kong is in this the uh, crossover. Well, he he's not proposing King Kong. He's talking about just a regular old right. set, of, set of apes. 
because there really are badass guys and and they're really intelligent according to Terry, Terry Lee George Waterfield. He's he, mm-hmm. he's seen videos on on YouTube that shows them you know speaking and and no they don't speak d- developing uh, geometry. Um, so train them to be warriors. I, I think they're probably more adept at I think they probably actually be more adept at technology than the humans are in terms of zipping through the skies like that. At least certain species of apes. Um, but Terry, I, li- I like the idea by the way. Um, it's actually not half bad. Like train them to do that. They're stronger yeah. than us. They're faster than us. And um, if they truly only go after like, like that would be an experiment, right? They figure out like, yeah. is it really just humans or is it human like things or what? Does you could probably do the same thing with dogs or whatever. Would the video game be Monk and Blade? Oh God, sure, yes, maybe. That's, that's a multi-layered kind of pun right there, BJ. My kudos right there. Uh, but the Colossal Titan disappears, and the advance guard, because clearly they prepared a little bit for this scenario compared to where they were last time, has arrived and instructs the students, get back to base, report in, regroup, we got this. As they assemble out a new line of basic cannons on a, lo- a semi-lower wall, put a giant net over the barrier, and assemble troops to try to hold this back. And Confident it also sounds like they had a... Some they prepared for this because this was basically the same style of attack that happened last time. So like breaching of the gate and it was the breaching of the gate and the attacking of the cannons that Aaron realizes that like, okay, this is the same exact pattern, but like improved because he's also going after the the cannons Um, that they also had something in place to like put some boulders in front of the gate Mm -hmm. because I guess that's going to Yeah. Um, they, you know, and if they get it in place three days later, they'll merge completely uh, fine. Sure, yes, let's use Jesus on this. Uh, but they, they clearly have been prepared for this exact scenario. It's playing out the best they can tell, same way it did last time, and they are ready for it. So students go back to regroup, they get their assignments, and quickly, which should be sending death flags to all of us, our heroes are sent to different locations, and one of them explicitly tells the other one, don't die, which in a <laughs> A lot of this media is a warning saying, oh, well, shit, one of them's going to die now, particularly when the big badass one is separated from the two lesser badass ones. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, always when you have these things, splitting the party is the best way to go. Um, Always important. It's common enough trope. Uh, We do get to meet a a new important character of where when this attack is happening, when the wall is getting breached, we briefly flash to the interior Mm -hmm. in some noble estate where we get to see two old dudes playing chess while eating macaroons. Are they macaroons of, or macarons? Uh, I'm not French. It's macaro- uh, So macaroon is with uh, coconut. T- Terry, they're actually different things. It's not just a different I know that they are. I know <laughs> I'm, I'm explaining to Spencer. Oh, you said Terry, though. Like, you were talking to uh, me. That's, yeah, it, you not, really it's did. not a pronunciation issue. These are different items. I, 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 I could not quickly identify. I'm not classy enough. If someone, What do you have an opinion about what they precisely were? Please voice it. I think BJ would know. He, he can tell by the shape. Uh, I mean, that, that would be my guess. I mean, I, I think as Terry was saying, like they, they look more like macarons where you have like fancy cookies rather than like a, a coconut blob. Well, they're playing chess. Uh, the noble, which I think is um, Marquette Bart or something like that, Marquette Bart, uh, is thrashing him at chess and kind of mocking him that, you know, you come here every week to get your ass kicked. And then the general, General Pixis's aides arrive. Sorry, PJ, go ahead. I was going to say how he ate the cookies was like, just like it, it it was like, you were supposed to immediately understand the gluttony and grossness of of this position. Like, like he touched like every single one on the plate, grabbed a handful and shoved them in his mouth. And like, 
the whole point of these cookies and they did a surprisingly good job of this is like they're nice delicate meant to be like yeah savory one stage. of at a time and he just like roast ham fisted it was it's very like it's the reverse of Seinfeld when uh, George Costanza's boss was eating Snickers with a fork and knife. <laughs> yes, actually, actually, it is. Good call. Uh, but m- m- upon immediate notice that the attack has occurred, the general snaps to attention, gives himself a giant drink, and marches out to the battlefield with the noble basically saying, uh, you stay here, fuck all them, you need to protect my estate, None of the, no, nobody else matters. And the general very politely tells him to get screwed and marches off to the battlefield. Uh, here's going to sign to different locations of where Armin and Aaron are on their own little trainee squad that's kind of been support while the main uh, def- m- m- most, sk- well, most of skilled troops are being assigned back to defend the gate because they figured the armored titan's going to show up at some point. Band squad's trying to hold the titans back. And then the trainees are kind of in the center just to provide support where needed. Mikasa's apparently skilled enough that she's being held back with the elite squads because yeah. she's badass and nobody else is. And we get those kind of moments, which we see in a lot of these series, of where Aaron briefly makes peace with John, his you know goose in the series. Uh, he gets to hold hands briefly with Mikasa and gets kind of hostile with her that she's babying him, um, but with her promising him not to not to go off and get himself killed when she's not there to protect him. And they march off to war. Um, they are all kinds of full of confident brass that everything is going to go great, that there's going to be any problems at all. They're yelling out their battle cries. And then they quickly realize that, oh shit, the entire advanced team's already been wiped out. Yeah. And we get to yeah. see a brief flashback that so, they're all just dead and Titans are in. Yeah. And we also get yeah. like, I think this episode, like the, what was it? Unnatural Titan? A- uh, a- aberrant. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, a, we're starting to get that there are many classes of Titan. Like it, it's a, it's a weird kind of like sideways introduction that it's like, all right, well, there's the colossal Titan, they're the regular Titans, they're, they're the aberrant Titans. And it's like, like how many classes are there? Like, what's the differences? And, and like, I get it's sort of, uh, you understand by, by seeing, but like, they're doing like a weird half-assed, like, they just say that it's a thing and you kind of see that they're different. Mm-hmm. And, but basically, it's bigger for the aberrants where it just literally just means they don't display normal behavior. And that can mean all kinds of sorts of shit. In this case, when they're zipping to the front, it means one of them it's just frog through the air. Yeah, like a frog and grabs Tom, uh, Thomas in its mouth. It slurps Thomas like the biggest piece of spaghetti. And Aaron, not liking that, yells out his battle cry, charges in beautifully animated style towards the front, and rapidly proceeds to get his leg bitten off by another leaping titan below him. Two things. One... Why are the bells in a different animation style than everything else? And the second is, Spencer, do you still slurp spaghetti? Uh, bells are a different style because they're moving, and it's often easier to do CGI on moving objects in that particular way. Uh, and yes, yes, I do. And we then proceed to see Aaron's squad of trainees, many of whom we've gotten to meet and be named, including my favorite name, Mina Carolina, uh, get, proceed to get wiped <laughs> out in a heartbeat. I, I like the name. It's, it's, a, it's a nice name. Uh, Several get smacked out of the sky, several get eaten in brutal form, and Aaron's there bleeding on the top of a rooftop, having just slid across tiles for like 100 yards after his leg, after his leg gotten bit off. And I, I have to ask, at this point, how did you think was this going to play out? Did you think that Aaron was screwed? Did you think Aaron was going to get eaten? Do you think, did you think they're all going to die or that there was going to be some heroic resolve that would save them or even Mikasa coming back? How did you think this was going to play out at this point? So I'll go. Uh, 
you have already told me that this is like what capped at four seasons uh four and multiple parts of the fourth season but yeah so that made me think that aaron could die because if they're really if they're just if it's a tight four seasons and this isn't like a 15 20 season crazy thing right like when the when series creators say we're going two seasons or four or whatever and they're and they're done i go okay Mm -hmm. well then maybe some they might kill some characters because they have a limited to runway here so that made me think that maybe they'd kill aaron and then the events of the the, sh- the episode i thought aaron was dead i mean levi seems pretty convinced he's not but i i, I thought they'd kill I, I mean i just thought it was one of those shows that like will kill a character BJ? It, it, it's mm-hmm. BJ? i was gonna say like i think that uh song of ice and fire has ruined us a little bit uh, in terms of like the willingness to kill characters and and like it does happen other times but I think it's it's a a much less common thing uh, I feel like Aaron's a little bit too much of the focus of the the show for him to be gone I like I don't know that he's not dead because like I I wouldn't I don't know I I feel like we could have some like weird ass Pinocchio thing going on because the uh you know, Spider-Man shit doesn't make sense. So there could be all sorts of other weird stuff that they end up doing. I just want um, to point out that like, it's not, I think it's prestige TV that's really messed us up, right? Because sure, The Wire very famously would kill characters. The Sopranos would kill characters. Breaking yeah. Bad would kill characters. I think it's a recent thing in television, but I think you're right, BJ. We have been sort of brainwashed to think like everybody's on the table when when like in traditional storytelling, it's usually not that way. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like I... I It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, and I I feel like in some ways, I think Mikasa is the least likely character to die early on. I could see her being like a season three or four death just because of like how these arcs go. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, interesting. It, it, it was it was a little bit surprising how it was done. I guess I, I didn't expect it to be almost an off-screen death um in terms of even how like he gets injured is like he gets sort of like bounced up and like you don't really know what's happened and and he like takes a a tumble and then like it's like oh well a couple of his limbs got eaten okay it's an interesting bit of perspective because it's starting to move away from his lens where previously most most of what we saw even even in terms of him moving was from his perspective but suddenly now that he's hurt and suddenly now that he's getting chomped, it's now from Armin's perspective. And so it's much more a third camera looking in. It's much less intimate to him because the focus is effectively moving away from him when this is happening. Because uh, the, from the moment Aaron gets injured, suddenly uh, Armin's now the main character and the main focus of for now. It's him watching all of his friends around him get eaten. It's him staring at Aaron's broken body on the top of a roof. And it's him getting eaten by a Titan that looks more than a little bit like Santa Claus. Um, and as he's screaming and sloshing down the throat, we get a brief flashback with Aaron of when he seemingly one of the first times he met Armin when they became friends of imagining the world beyond the wall. Armin somehow found a book about what the world beyond the wall used to be like and that they're going to go out there and they're going to see it together. And with that, Aaron finds his heroic resolve. He apparently, we don't see it again, as you said, off camera, leaps into the Titan's mouth, pries it open, rips Armin out and throws him across the roof and has enough permitting strength to hold open the Titan's mouth to tell Armin that, you know, we said we're, we're going to go this, see the outside go... world. It's going to be okay. Crunch. And yeah. crunch. We get some delightful climactic music. 
arm goes flying past Armin, tumbling out of the way. He's swallowed by the Titan, and the episode effectively ends with Armin just screaming and Mikasa seemingly across town being aware of it in some shape or form. And Levi, I'll turn to you. You are certain that Aaron is still alive. I, I ask you, sir. Yes. What, on, uh, is there a particular reason for that? He's a serious Men in Black fan, and our, and Aaron basically just went into the cockroach to get his gun, and it's fine. You're not wrong, PJ. Um, I am a huge Men in Black fan, second only to you. Um, but uh, came up on the pod yesterday. Uh, in any case, uh, I don't, I don't respect this show enough to believe that they have the balls. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Um, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think this is this is prestige TV. I don't think this is um, this is the wire. This is not Game of Thrones. This is not Sopranos. They don't have oh, the yeah. balls to do it, um, and and therefore I believe they're going to do a little little trickaroo, make us believe that he's dead, and he's going to pop out of the belly just like. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Um, very good call, I love, I love I love the framing of this as Aaron's potential death as the litmus test of if this fucking show is worth a damn. Like this is this great. <laughs> it's one thing I would note though is that even under this scenario, he is still missing an arm and a leg. He is effectively oh, he's not, incapacitated. I'm not claiming this man is like of all faculties is coming out of this stellar is going to be this badass warrior like forever forever he's just not dead he's still out of the show effectively after this we're gonna get some pinocchio uh, shit don't know don't know about that he could be the grizzled old war veteran hobbling around in town and, and rallying up the little the little peasant kids to go train some apes to, 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 to detect the titans um like we don't know where this show's gonna go we got four seasons go. but he's not dead fucking go Planet of the Apes. Well, the next episode very much is focused on the idea of the aftermath on the other characters in terms of them processing the trauma of what occurred and them, or even just setting up what what trauma they're going to endure when they find out of where. And also getting back to a a super common trope in, I mean, in general, but like it's particularly prevalent in anime in general, the like the strong survive, the weak die, and that's sort of like the order of the world. I mean, that was like a I don't know. Kenshin was like all caught up in that. It's a huge thing in in Bleach and and a whole bunch. Especially when you have like the, these overpowered characters, like there's almost always like an evil group boss, whatever that 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 is their mantra. Um, and it's sort of interesting to come at it from this side, where it's just like it may or may not be a bad thing, but this is just how the world works. So I need to get stronger to make it an okay place to be. That is a definite theme in the show, but there is an idea of, yeah, the strong eat the weak, and that's just the way the world works, and you either accept that and endure, or you get eaten by it. The the show is going to play with, to a certain degree, of what it means to be strong and what different ways that can represent, and Armin, I can just tell you right now, is going to be a a front and center discussion on that topic, because particularly at the beginning, he's a broken husk of a person as his friends find him. His entire squad's been killed, he's barely even able to express what happened, and it's kind of left to Connie... uh, Krista and Ymir to unpack what just occurred with them accurately deducing that he's the sole survivor. I think it's worse trying to remember the names because of how goofily like multicultural it is. <laughs> a question for Levi. Levi, when you watch this show, are you just locked in? Or are you doing something else? 90% locked in. Okay. BJ, when you watch the show, you locked in or are you doing something else? Uh, I would say 70 to 80% locked in. What is the other 30, 20? Uh, dicking around on my phone, stuff like that. Um, I mean, especially for some of the the non-conversational scenes where it's just like, 
them rolling around on on rooftops and i know that's going to continue for a while it's just like all right well he's not here for the action uh, what about you, yourself James? sir i was definitely playing madden while watching this in the background so i you know when you're like dropping the names and stuff i'm like I, uh, you, you know because like i slip it into classroom thing like when I was in a classroom, I never wanted to be the best. I just didn't want to be the worst. Like, I just don't, I just want to be right in the middle of the pack. Like that, that's what, kind of where I want to be. Like, it seems like I might be the slowest gazelle in this conversation right now. I think I need to fucking make a little bit more of an effort to watch this show. Cause you're, We're you're all learning these names now. out. I don't know who you're talking about. Spencer, do you even know where your oh. cell phone is while you're watching this show? Hell no. Are you kidding me? Not, not while you're recording. Like while, it, while you're. Does it have power, Spencer? <laughs> I still. I don't know. Have to check. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, but there it is. That that is the perfect response. I don't know. Uh, but C- Connie, bald guy, Krista, blonde girl, Ymir, somewhat tan, brunette girl. Okay. The one that doesn't uh, have a ponytail. A lot of flashbacks. Is, it, in the, in is, the is Connie episode, right? the the martial artist one that like beats everybody to the shit? No, that that, that would be uh, Annie. Okay. Annie's uh, the blonde martial artist. Uh, but, yeah, okay. This is it. This is a heavily flashback episode of where we briefly we cut to Mikasa of where she demonstrates the fact that she deserves to be on the elite squad of when she saves a whole collection of people that are blocked at a door by a rich merchant who's prefer if his cargo goes through before thousands of people. Levi, I'm sure you love that. Also, that it was stuck. I'm going to run with the fact that this is a critique of capitalism Mm. and just just operate on that assumption until I'm proven otherwise. Um, So we'll see. Because he's stuck. He's trying to have like a mass team box and bring all of his supplies for before the people of the town evacuate. And he's stubbornly telling everybody to push before they go when an aberrant shows up kind of running in the weirdest waddle way possible down the street uh, and is setting up to try to kill them all before Mikasa zips through, perfectly slashes the nape of its neck and drops it to the ground. And then proceeds to very reflectively threaten this merchant that hey, I'm a soldier. My job is to save people. If I can save them by killing you, totally will right now. And uh, gets him to move his, yeah. Yeah, and gets him to move his cart. So Spencer, what do you think about building carts that don't fit through tunnels? Because I thought it was just, it, it, it was a very funny thing that like somebody had built their cart so it could not go through the inner wall. And they, they had this like imagining that like pushing, like having everybody push it is going to get it through where, you know, the team of Oxen isn't. Yeah, I mean, my best guess is that this is previously established to get out, the, to get through the outer gate to do, like, trade with the exterior wall and that that worked. And it was just never designed to try to get into the interior territory, but it's the only one he had. Uh, but Mikasa gets through, gets everybody out, gets to salute a little child that's suitably impressed with her being badass. And then, as Lee referenced, we get basically the rest of the episode spent in a flashback of finding out how Mikasa got to join Aaron and his family. And it's Um, really fucking brutal. I like how you refer to it that way as opposed to uh, emotionally traumatized child. But but yeah, you know, I mean, she's getting mentored through the process of uh, being able to to join this elite squad. Um, Mentor trauma. Yes. Levi, you you described it basically is that we suddenly we suddenly have a sex trafficking ring thrown into the middle of an anime. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. So you watch the first episode of this pair um, and they watch the second one the first one i'm like i don't respect this show i don't necessarily think they're gonna kill off aaron aaron's still alive truth and justice for aaron um and then i saw sex trafficking and was like okay well i'm not gonna lie this doesn't hurt this doesn't help me because this is pretty heady stuff going on here um it's yeah so and there are two things that i think that we're really getting 
in very backdoor ways in this episode. One is this was our world, basically. Um, Asia is specifically referenced in Asian people. Uh, yeah, and so so there's Asian people. There's like the the saltwater sea, like you know, in these two episodes, I guess. Like we're getting a lot more of like this is in our uh, like was in our universe at some point, kind of. Um, this is also like I think establishing more of like Western critiques than uh, I would have expected um, with the. Asians are highly prized by like the the fat white nobility. Fetishized, yeah. uh, it was just like an all right, well, you know, go in there. That that's that's interesting. And and having that the, those uh, people be fat and grubby and and like ham fisted and and like fit into all those tropes was like a all right, we're doing this. Yeah, it's a different kind of show than expected. Uh, Lay, what did that cut you off guard? That go into that kind of plot line, which you know. It's not something you often see in a cartoon, particularly in the Western world, of going into say, okay, suddenly we're now going to discuss uh, the murder of a child's parents in front of her for the purpose of sending her into a sex trafficking ring at age nine, eight, or somewhere around there. No, no, I've already placed anime in a different category than regular cartoons. I mean, I just assume it deals with more adult content. I mean, it has to, right? I mean, the broad appeal of it uh, is certainly not just children who watch this shit. So, and I've always heard there's like tentacle porn and shit in it too. So um i guess there's gross stuff in it i don't know i just i I went into it expecting adult content so it didn't surprise me gotcha i mean to be fair they they weren't supposed to kill her mother it was just they were supposed to take two of them so it wasn't specifically uh you know trafficking a child but it's definitely playing with horror tropes in terms of how it plays out because they're even they're framing it differently playing with their expectations of where at the same time it's happening we're cutting to aaron's dad and aaron knocking on the door of what we assume is the same house at the same time, only to then the, her dad, they're having a nice little conversation about where do babies come from? Oh, uh, the doctor's coming. Let's ask him when he gets here. Yeah, Someone that. knocks at the door. He goes to the door. It's like, hey, Dr. Jaeger, and gets immediately stabbed in the chest. But he, but it, that's not how it happened, right? There was a knock on the door. Pause. Beat. Knock on the door. Pause. Beat. Like So there was like a horror movie-like cadence yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. There was. True. Uh, yeah. Dad gets immediately killed. Mom tries to fight back to give her daughter time to escape. Frustrates the uh, kidnapper slash murderers enough that they just take a hatchet to the side of her neck, which is brutal as all shit. I know. Uh, Only we could do that these fucking titans. Be be in the wrong place. They'd be perfectly fine if you hit hit them right there. Uh, She drops. Mikasa is just frozen in place because she just saw her parents get murdered in front of her. And she's punched, knocked out, and grabbed. Same time, Aaron and his dad come across the house seemingly a few hours later to find two people dead, blood everywhere, and no Mikasa to be found. And then we get a bit of a jump of where we were with the we're with the kidnappers. They were in some other place, and they get a knock on the door after discussing what they're going to do with Mikasa, and it's horrible. And it's little Aaron who's at the door. It's like, oh, it's a little lost boy in the woods. As the camera frames down to show that he's got a knife that he's hiding behind his back. Kidnapper number one's like, yeah, no, you know, oh, you little lost kid, everything will be fine. Come on in. Only for Aaron to stab him in the throat. Yeah. And effectively rip out his throat in the process. It was an interesting, it was kind of a weird, like, back and forth. So what do you think the, the, like, the dude that answered the door looked back to the other kidnapper and he kind of made, like, some motion. Do you think that was get rid of the kid and kill him? Do you think that was, like, it's fine, let him in? Like, what do you think that was? 
I don't think there was any scenario by which they were going to let that kid go. I think they were bringing him in to either kill him or add him to the ring of people they're selling. But and also at, continuing to add to sort of the adult-ish content of it, changing the tone a little bit. Like, I mean, when Aaron's like going at it, like he's like, he looks crazed and like, it's not, it's, it's a really like, like wacky scene and how they, how they pace it and draw it and all that stuff. What did you think of the broom spear? Levi, did that, we were impressed with that kind of ingenious thinking by a nine-year-old to fashion a broom spear rapidly to impale somebody with? I can't tell if that's darker or less dark. 100%. Um, very impressed. Also, uh, further evidence, Aaron's not dead. Aaron's a scrappy individual. This guy's not, not dying. If Boba Fett can survive in the belly of a Sarlacc for years. <laughs> yeah. Twice, because uh, he did it uh, in Legends and in New Canon, so it's pretty close. Oh, yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> Well, Aaron successfully kills the second guy, as Lee said, just screaming bloody murder at him ah, as he's killing. He's fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, too, because when I was watching the first time, I assumed a lot of the way Aaron, his hostility, his aggression was framed by, you know, losing his mom and the trauma of that. This is years before that, and that's still there. This is just the way Aaron has always been. Yeah. And it's also interesting, like, how competent he is at violence at such a young age, which, like is kind of very weird um and, and like i guess to levi's point of him surviving like this isn't a n- normal child and we also get like mikasa isn't normal in the next scene like shit just goes bonkers in the next scene and so i'm hoping they'll eventually explain that because the explanation that they gave was anime bullshit that they uh, kind of lean into sometimes, but I feel like that that it no longer flies in this uh, decade. But like 20 years ago, it would have been fine. To, to describe the scene, uh, Aaron cuts Mikasa loose, who reminds him, well, tells him there's a third guy here as well, who arrives and proceeds to try to choke Aaron to death. Aaron tells Mikasa, we've got to fight. If you don't fight, you don't win. And Mikasa, as BJ says, goes through a weird anime kind of power-up scene that feels weird in this kind of show, which is otherwise, despite having giant giants that eat people and people flying Spider-Man south of the roof, is actually kind of grounded to have this kind of anime power-up scene. She has a realization that violence has always been in the world, and that's just the way the world works. And she just ignored it forever, and that she has to fight. And, and now that she's accepted it, she has full control over her body and can be a crazy badass that that um, breaks the floor with the power that she springs off of the floor to kill this man. The well, floor is one thing. She breaks the blade. She breaks the handle and the knife by sheer gripping it. I mean, I'm just saying, BJ. Like, have you never heard of like retard strength? Like, like there there are parallels here that if you accept the fact that like you're holding yourself back. You can, I, you can accomplish great things. I, like, I don't disagree with you. I'm just, th- this is a trope that they're leaning on oh, of the, I mean, they, the breaking the floor. That, like, that's why I'm bringing up that in specific. I mean, they do tropes all the time and everything. They, it's very, they very much rely on these sort of like cliches to be able to, to make a point and move on. But in right. terms of his core point, I mean, I think it's a, it, it's a very important one, right? I mean, there's violence in the world. And once you unshackle yourself from, from like the, the fear of violence, you can become a very incredibly dangerous person um, very quickly with very little training. Uh, because most people don't assume that other people are going to be violent. That's a, a that's a really nuanced point. Um, done by a cartoon, but I, BJ, I also say for your concerns, this is actually a surprisingly grounded show. Everything does have an explanation or a reason for it, as you said, because it's written from a book. This is it's supposed to be weird in the context of the show. She should not be able to do this. This is not hyperbolic. So make a note of it. I, um, I, I, I 
feel like, and this is probably going to bother me, but they're going to lean into her having like the, the purebred Asian heritage that her father was, was uh, like her, is actually her stepfather and like her, her, like her actual father was like one of the last few like pure blood Asians. And so she has like special capabilities and and some shit. If that happens, I'm going to be unhappy. (laughs) I will not tell you, you'll find out. Um, But she then proceeds to stab this guy, not just in the back, but like clear through his spine and drops him to the ground to the point that when the police show up later, they are not just surprised or confused. They appear honestly horrified that a couple of nine-year-olds just murdered three people. Uh, as is honestly Aaron's dad. How, how would you unpack the fatherly concern Aaron's dad's going through that his nine-year-old just killed two people? That's a weird fucking father. Like, it, 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 like, just the whole situation is just like, well, I told you to go stay by the mountain. Why didn't you listen to me? As opposed to, like, what's going on that you just, like, murdered two people or three people or what, what, ha- like, there's just no sane it, conversation going on. I don't know if there's a sane conversation that can't happen with that. <laughs> um, but what, what we get out of it is, like, you know, anger anger coming from concern like he's just like why the fuck would you do that you just risked yourself unnecessarily for this i told you to protect yourself rather than a certain element of horror that his kid did this that's how he's processing it and aaron being all of eight or nine almost kind of breaks down to tears that his dad's yelling at him uh which is a kind of effective accurate child response to that moment and mostly just tries to explain that he was desperate to try to protect this girl oh yeah the girl who is kind of dead to the world right now sitting next to them now i'm processing the fact that her parents are dead and she just killed somebody and oh yeah she's kind of a superhero now and we get one of the more heartfelt moments i'd say i think in the show so far of where she basically just says you know i've got no place to go i don't have a home anymore and aaron walks over in adorable fashion kind of throws the scarf around her head the scarf we've always seen her wearing and now know where it comes from and then grabs her by the head and said let's go home Ador- yeah. I like how your adorable fashion is like, I know a scarf is supposed to go, but I'm going to cover your face and be weird. <laughs> it's a full adult scarf and she's a tiny child. Um, she breaks down in tears. Clearly the, fa- the close relationship they have is established right here and in this moment. And we cut back to the present of where she's just utterly slaughtering Titans across the city. But with the reason and motivation being that as long as Aaron's in her life, as long as she has him to go home to, she can do everything setting up a trauma hand grenade when certain events are revealed to her later on. And our episode ends. And Levi, you said that this episode, it didn't hurt or didn't destroy your theory that Aaron's still alive, but you said it it, it did some damage to it. Uh, why why exactly would you say that? Because we have a new main character, right? I mean, Mikasa is, is like taking on the mantle of, of the main focus of the show. Um, so once you have that backstory explained uh, and this sort of badass woman... <laughs> be be un, uh, unveiled it doesn't help the case for Aaron um, now I think the show can can tolerate two main characters most shows can but that's just my opinion um, it it hurts a little bit um, and Mikasa obviously is is super strong um, and far more of a badass than Aaron like in a way that's weird let's put it that way uh, very, very weird that she's so talented uh, at destruction <laughs> Not and then not just compared to him. It's like other people even acknowledge that she is like of a generation level of talented. Um, but Lee, you have aggressive opinions on the subject of whether certain main characters can carry our show or not. Uh, do you think Mikasa could be the main character of this show? 
makes you seem to believe much more than Levi does that Aaron's actually dead. Yeah, I don't. Uh, for me, the show is not character driven. It's plot. It's for, it's plot driven. I mean, maybe I'm I'm off on that, but like this, I, what I care about is this imminent threat from the outside to the town. So if that stays the same focus, then you could you could cycle whoever. So that's why I would be okay with Aaron dying because you, ultimately it's you just like who's effect. next? Yeah, to to fight this battle. I did want to point out something. I was I was quiet because I was checking the credits. So I think I recognize. I have a theory on why you like this show so much, Spencer. Why is that? One of the things you criticize all the time in our podcast is um, when you feel like they don't know they don't know where they're going. The Lost sort of writing, like for the the TV show Lost, where it's just like hate like it. Mad yeah. Libs, and they're just like, let's just I don't know where we're going next season. We'll figure that out later. Um, or when like different writers pick up different parts of it, and they're not telling a cohesive story, like what happened in the sequel movies of Star Wars. In just the opening credits of the show. You've got that it's based on manga. So if there's a source material, there's six people credited with planning and one person credited with series structure. So right from jump, you've got a lot of people that are employed just for continuity purposes mm-hmm. of the storytelling, which would make me think that like that that's probably like in part why you like it, right? Because presumably that bears out in how they tell the story. I adore of when there is a plan and there is a structure and you can look at the entire series in that particular way and it makes sense from start to finish of how it was built and how it was designed or whatever else. That's the shows, the books, the, the movies I adore more than anything else. This show represents that well. I can say that going forward. It, to almost I, mean, I don't think it's great. common to have someone accredited with series structure. Like that's a role I've not seen in credits. And it just seems to be like some, somebody in charge of continuity, basically, like how, how we're going to how we're going to pace everything, block block the story and make sure it's all ties together. No, I, I, yeah, I, I would say that's a good call. I mean, um, I think that's good. that's part of what you get with a really strong showrunner. And I think that's sort of where there are certain shows that Spencer is more OK with with a good showrunner. Mm-hmm. David Simon shows, for example. Um one question I've got to ask you guys, Levi, you seem very pessimistic about the idea that there's anything that they can do to overcome, that this, the, the Titans are something that just simply can't be defeated. If you had to guess, we're, we're basically kind of nearing, well, approaching the midway point of the first season. Where do you think things will go from here then, if you don't think that the Titans can be overcome, at least not by any martial means? Like, do you have a, do you have a, do you have a thought or a concept of what the purpose of the show is then? Unlike you, Spencer, I don't do like research on 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 the show and then ha- you know cast off the actual plot as my ideas. Um, so I don't have a clue. I don't, I don't have a clue where the, where this is going. Um, it's it's a little confusing how there are four seasons when the Titans are just running roughshod over over humans. Like the the only real progress we've seen is one individual, unless Mikasa becomes like super lord of everything uh, and just it goes on a sleigh fest and just destroys everyone. Um, like humans are screwed. There's just they're not making any progress. Um, the heads are regenerating. They can't can't aim those cannons right. Um, we got this magic guy who's like snapping in and destroying walls constantly. Like it's it, humans are done for. I think maybe this is just going to be a maybe season three is like we return back to bacteria and evolution starts again because I humans are done for. <laughs> uh, Man, it it sounds like you you should watch uh, Evangelion then. That would be on that point. But uh, are, BJ, are you that that manga or the anime or whatever it is? It's a, it's a, it's everything. No, not really. It's, it's a garbage par- point that no one likes. But, uh, BJ, are you similarly pessimistic? Uh, no, but, but that, that's because uh, I've like lost, watched random 
episodes of this show, <laughs> which really doesn't help in my like consumption of surprises. Um, and so like they're they're like I know of weird things that that are going to happen. So uh, but but like I think it's an interesting turn. So like I don't I don't know how they will progress from here, but like I know where some things will progress to. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, final thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, will you uh, ask me? Late? Yeah. 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 I was good. I was going to turn to you, Lee, for the final thoughts. Oh, I think that the show. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stereotype it based on the culture. So, mm-hmm. like, I think that based on like sort of because I, I talked before about how I think that like it, the the it's a it's a metaphor for like a battle in life and like um overcoming your own outsized issues right like with the titans if that's the case and they like they tap into like sort of eastern religion eastern philosophy like it, it, they might end up with a place where they come to some sort of agreement with the time like because everything exists in a balance right like so they they come to an agreement with the titans there it's not about the winning or losing it's about understanding your place in the order of things so like maybe they'll figure out some sort of symbiosis here um with the titans so it's not that you we're not going to get the reveal of like did they beat the titans or did they not it'll be like basically they refortify the walls they i don't know send a child out to become a white walker every winter i don't know what the fuck the thing is but like something to become something to 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 come up with some sort of yin yang for the thing interesting all right well and uh in terms of uh, just a final review how would you guys score this episode if you were doing it uh say out of five Episode five was bang. It was a banger. Episode six bored the shit out of me. Um, so I'm going to say five, uh, eight, uh, nine, uh, five and a half. Okay. Five, Levi. Six, yes. Whatever. Yeah. I, I understand. Uh, episode five, a, a minus. Episode six, a B. Gotcha. BJ. Um, and based on both these guys required to use an entirely different scoring system when you answer my I was, question. I was hoping he would just go in that yeah. direction without prompting. <laughs> so um, I would give uh, episode five probably three stars and then maybe episode six, four. I actually preferred the the second of the two just because like it, we're starting down the weird path. And like, I know we need to go down a weird path and that's where like the story is starting to open up. Whereas episode five was a continuation of the same kind of unsustainable story that we had in uh, the first like four episodes where the Titans are sort of overpowering the training squad that they're in just like obviously isn't enough to do anything with them. And for, for the show to continue, there needs to be an opening up and, and that's where six starts to do that. All right. Spencer, well, where, where do do these rate on on the uh, the episode scales for you? I, I like them both for very different reasons, and you kind of hinted on those. Of where episode five is like the culmination of the roller coaster, of where it, it's the almost the climax moment we've been building through the, the four, first four episodes, and it's subverting what you expected would happen. Of where you know all this is built around the hero's journey. Aaron's going to overcome. He's going to be incredibly powerful. Oh shit! Aaron's gone. He failed. His entire squad's wiped out. I'm just saying what, what I thought at the time, Levi. You, you don't, don't give me that face. That's what I'm representing. Um, and then episode six is then playing with the expectations of that, of where you're setting up a new main character. You're seeing how she and where she came to the scene. You're seeing aspects of the world that don't make sense and building on that. So I, they're, they're two of my favorite episodes of season one. I rank them probably among the highest of them. 
for the very different reasons of how diverse they showed this they showed that the show can be and what it can bring to bear in that um from very different angles so i, I liked them quite a bit and i was very interested to see what y'all's reaction would be to them um for... i also think it's super interesting to me uh the different animation styles that we got in these episodes that i don't think we've really gotten before i mean i mentioned the bells and that's sort of been in all of the the episodes but we had um a scene where there was basically just one piece of art that we were panning over uh which i thought was a really interesting way of doing things that i don't think i've really seen before in an anime um and it was just like an interesting way of saying that like there's this huge scene going on and there's a mm-hmm. lot uh, that's happening. Uh, but like it kind of felt like a camera panning over a, a single still frame, which was either super hard to animate or like like I imagine this like is something that had to be done in a newer way uh, and, and like in, in a very like computer animated rather than like hand-drawn way because like you don't have like progressive frames really. Yeah, I, I, I know the show you're talking about. It, it, it's an example of just, if you're doing that in like a movie, that'd be a really easy thing to film. In an anime, you're just looking like they're going, how dear God do they film that process in like traditional animation? In some ways it felt like bullet time in terms of like a very completely new way of, of having the, the quote unquote camera move. Hey BJ, I got a question. I was re-listening to our first anime pod and you ranked Attack on Titan below Cowboy Bebop. Now that you've watched more episodes in succession, like in, in the order they're supposed to be, would you still place Attack on Titan below Cowboy Bebop? Um, I, I think I will enjoy it better. I, would, I still will, just because like we're so early on. Um, and I think it's going to speak to two things. One, with Cowboy Bebop, there's a lot left unexplored in ways that I don't like instead of in ways that I like. And then, because I think that we will get an exploration of a lot of the interesting things in this world. Whereas in Cowboy Bebop, like there was just a, a very cursory exploration of a lot of the different characters and what was going on in the world. But there were um, things that I th- I really enjoyed, like, you know, just sitting with the music. Um, you actually get that um, I'm watching a different show. Uh, I'm watching Peaky Blinders. And you actually get that with Peaky Blinders where they'll just sit with music for a little while in a scene. Yeah. There isn't a lot of talking. There's just sort of stuff going on and you sit with the music. So I think it did, like there were things that I really enjoyed in, in Cowboy Bebop and that was one of them. And so I think in the next, like by the end of season one, we'll have that flip because we'll start to really delve into the story. And I feel like this is where that's starting. Okay. Um, how about you? Like, I, I mean, I know, like, well. well, I'm liking the show more as we go. Yeah, uh, I, 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 um, I mean, I, it's weird. Like, I always knew anime had to be good. Like, I'm, I, I don't, when a bunch of people like something, I assume it's probably good. Like, I don't, I don't have the assumption that, like, I know, I, I have better taste or I know more than the like millions of people who watch anime or read manga, right? Like, I just never have gotten into it, so I know that I've had some biases going into it. So, like. I'm having these like revelatory moments of like, oh, this is just like a normal show. This is just like really like normal good storytelling. Like you know, like I'm. It sounds super basic, but like I'm I'm doing that because it's my first exposure to it. But it seems to me to be in a class of storytelling like any other show I would be watching. Um, I'm surprised at how I can follow along with it even while playing Madden uh, on on the side. 
um, because I always thought it would be really difficult with the dub and all that stuff. It's pretty easy to follow as far as the core story. So I'm liking yeah. it more and more as I go. And I also think that like, it helps to have somebody, Spencer, not very knowledgeable, yeah, sure. like leading you in because like, there are a lot of things that like you, it's such, there, there are going to be such big genres that like getting introduced to like certain parts will lead you in better. And like, I think a great example for me is like, I was not particularly interested in rap and Levi was like, hold on a second. This is a, like, I know about this genre. Like, let me, here are some things that you should listen to that, that I think you will like. And it opened oh, it up like me. I do with people in wrestling all the time. Like, yeah, I, I exactly. Because like, wrestling. Yeah. like I, like I know about, like, there's a lot more to it than what you see yeah. in like the brief flashes that you have. There are these backstories. There's, they're the entertaining costumes. It's the athletic, like there's all this uh, that like, here's how to, to enter this genre correctly. And maybe you don't like this part of it, but like, you might like this part of it. And, and there is that, that ability uh, like, and I think this is a good way to enter it. Yeah. Spencer's good genre. at that too. He does it with video games too. It's good, good at helping people get into something. It also benefits me that I've now watched the show several times. And it is a show that you do notice little things differently each time. Because one scene we didn't even talk about of where that couple that were kind of lovey-dovey earlier before, uh, we when Armin's going away, is reporting back to base, he comes across the, the, the woman of the couple desperately trying to do CPR on her beloved. And she's like, he's not breathing, he's not breathing, you've got to help me. And I had noticed before that when the camera kind of pans out, and this shows how well the show does perspective, you see that she's doing CPR on like half of a corpse where there's clearly nothing left below about the waist. Totally. I noticed that the first time I, I watched it, but it it's this, I wouldn't call it subtlety, but just the many things that are laid it layered into the show that you can just benefit from if you see it a few times, but I'm glad y'all are enjoying it. Can I count on you to watch episodes uh, seven and eight for next time to see what you think? I'm in. Yeah. Levi's I think in. It's fun to get in. All right. We're going to do it. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. It's been another episode of, Mangum Talks, you can check out all our podcasts on mangumtalks.com or wherever you get your podcast by talking in or typing in Mangum Talks. Thanks, guys. It's a lot of fun, and we will be with you next time for more Attack on Titan.